Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. Before I introduce today's topic and my special guest, I have a couple of announcements to make. This is the final episode of Season 2. The new Season 3 will start on December 1, with episode release every second week, rather than weekly. It will still be on Wednesday, just every second Wednesday. This is not set in stone, however, and I still might come back to weekly episode releases, at which point I will start a new season again. So, if you have subscribed to my podcast, please don't panic (laughs) when there is no new episode coming out on November 24. Season 3 will kick off with an amazing interview about dreams and dream work with my special guest from Brazil, so make sure you'll catch this one too. Secondly, due to many inquiries from my listeners about my solo episodes, which are spiritual teachings with channel material, reflective commentaries, as well as quantum coaching tips and insights, I have decided to continue them as a private podcast, which will be included in the Quantum Living Insiders membership program starting in January. This is a new and exciting offering for those who are attracted to all things at the intersection of science and spirituality and follow my work. The Insiders membership will have private podcast, exclusive theta or transcendental meditations, special access to my quantum coaching and spiritual counseling, and other exclusive offers for members only. There will be more information about it in my free Quantum Talk newsletter, to which you can subscribe on my Quantum Living website, if you haven't done so already. Okay, let's now move on to today's topic. You might be intrigued by the title of today's episode, so I'd like to explain from the start what is metaphysics, as its definition will beautifully set the scene for this conversation with my special guest. And to do that, I will quote, of course, the Wikipedia. (laughs) Metaphysics is a branch of philosophy that studies the first principles of being, identity and change, space and time, causality, necessity and possibility. It includes questions about the nature of consciousness and the relationship between mind and matter. So yes, that's what we are going to talk about, and more. As you can see, this definition of metaphysics is pretty much (laughs) open-ended, and so it can take us to all sorts of rabbit holes. My special guest today is Will Rodriguez. Will is the executive producer of a mental health podcast, Calm, Cool and Connected, and the host and producer of the Skeptic Metaphysician podcast. Like Mulder from The X-Files, Will wants to believe 
So, he has embarked on a journey of discovery. He has talked to people deeply entrenched in the spiritual, metaphysical and mystical worlds. He has thrown himself into weird and wonderful experiences, which he shares with his audience in an effort to find a trick to self-growth and spiritual awakening. Will's story involves spiritual growth, but not in the religious sense. Rather, it is more about learning how to be a better person. His journey of discovery quickly became his journey of self-discovery and undergoing his own existential challenge. And to tell us all about it, Will joins me now from Norfolk, Virginia. Hello, Will. Welcome to my show. It's a pleasure to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing great. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you today, Anna. Thank you so much for inviting me. Beautiful. Thank you. How did you become a skeptic metaphysician? Could you please share with us your personal journey? So I am firmly entrenched in the scientific world, in a sense. I'm not a scientist. I don't work in science for a living or anything like that, but my worldview has always been very pragmatic. My thought process has always been, if I can't feel it, touch it, see it, taste it, hear it, if, if, there's, if there's no physicality to something, if I can't prove it time and time again, then it can't possibly be real. That's always been kind of my mindset. When I was much younger, my mother was having her own existential crisis and was trying to find her path. So she would go from one church to another church to another church, dragging us along, trying to find where we truly belonged, only to find that we didn't belong in any of them. Uh, organized religion ended up not being what where we were supposed to go. So she started turning into turning to other more esoteric places like Carlos Castaneda books and um, Deepak Chopra and people like that. And of course, an inquisitive child, I would always pick them up and start leafing through them to my mom's horror. No, no, you're not ready for those yet. <laughs> but I couldn't understand how she could be looking into these things when this is all kind of fantasy worlds, right? This, this, this can't be real. So fast forward to a time when I was no longer in the, under the wing of my parents. I was on my own and I picked up where she left off. I tried to find where I belonged. And I started my journey of discovery way back when. I was in my early 20s and I looked into uh, not just Christianity like she was doing, but also Judaism. I looked into Buddhism. I looked into all kinds of religions, including Wicca, which is uh, the religion uh, of nature. Uh, many pagans, witchcraft, um, are associated with Wicca. Um, but before that, I ended up looking or stumbling on a metaphysical bookstore that had all manner. It was a big, big store and had all manner of items and books and things and classes. And all that intrigued me because if this is all real, then I'm bound to find something that I can touch that tells me that, yes, this, this, is, this is real stuff. So I went into psychic development classes. I went into aura reading 
classes. I went into um, chakra classes and past life regression classes. Never once was I able to find anything. This was all theater of the mind. Like, how do you know? How do, This is just me making up things in my head. How could you? Th- th- there's nothing here that proves to me anything. Until it just so happens that every Friday night they had at this store a Reiki healing circle. And basically what it was, was people from all over the, the area would come, I would say maybe 30, 40, 50 people. And when they would sit in a big circle and six or seven Reiki practitioners would be walking around behind the circle. They would put everyone through a meditation. So everyone's nice and relaxed. And then the practitioners would then start healing or put or putting their hands on folks. After about an hour or so, hour and a half, uh, they would bring us back up out of the meditation. And my first few experiences with it, I thought, hmm, I'm not really sure if I feel anything, but maybe kind of. So let me let me look into it further. So I actually went into a class to become a Reiki practitioner because I'm I need to prove it to myself. And uh, during this class, um, they were teaching us all the hand motions and things like that. Someone was on a massage table. And while they took two of us to another room to become attuned, everyone else would be practicing their hand motions on this person that was on this massage table. And as everyone was coming out of the attunement room, uh, they put their hands back on the person that was lying on the table and you saw their eyes and they go, Ooh, and ah, and I'm going, no, (laughs) sure. Because I've seen this before, right? We're like, Oh, I felt, I see your aura. I see it. You know, it's streaming up from your head. I mean, I'm, so I've, I've heard this before. People really truly want to believe these things. So they convince themselves that they can, right? Mm. I'm thinking, okay, here we go again. So then it became my turn and they brought me into the attunement room and they had me, uh, kneel down on the on the floor and close my eyes and there's music and aromatherapy going on and there's something uh, the the reiki master was doing something some hand gestures over my head and whispering some things and things like that after it was all done i felt no different i felt okay i was i was correct this is a <laughs> bunch of baloney also uh <laughs> darn shame but okay so i got out of the room i went back and because someone other people need to be attuned and of course i'd pay for the class so i may as well just stay for the whole thing I went ahead and went back to putting my hands on the person that was on the massage table. My life changed at that moment because the minute that I put my hands over this person, the energy that flowed out of the palms of my hands. I mean, it it took me by such surprise. I staggered back because I could not believe that this was a palpable energy that I was not feeling before. The attunement, and I was absolutely, without a doubt, feeling it. Now, this is someone who's very pragmatic. I'm not trying to find something. I'm more than often than not going to lock myself out of feeling something because I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. So, when I tell you that I felt this energy coming out of my hands, I was floored. Then we did some other things where uh, we took a, a bottle of water and we poured a little bit of the water into a Dixie cup and put that aside closed the water bottle, put it upside down in our laps and, and reiki it for five minutes, did some symbols on it that they taught us and things like that. And then we tasted the water that we had put from the same bottle from the Dixie cup first. And then we opened up the bottle and tasted the water in the bottle that we had just reiki for five minutes. And there was an absolutely marked difference between the tastes of the two waters. Wow. Something that I cannot explain 
in any way, shape, or form other than the molecules in that water being altered in some way by something that I did just by sending that energy flow into it. Mm. So needless to say, that was the proof I needed. Okay, if this is real, if this energy is truly coming out of my hands, then it opens up the world that says maybe everything else out there that people are talking about is real too. I just haven't found a way to attune myself to it. And from that point forward, I, I just threw myself even deeper into the, into journey, into journey of discovery, because I was, I had finally found something that was tangibly what I needed as proof. Um, But then fast forward, uh, life gets in the way, of course. And I abandoned that journey of discovery. I stopped doing Reiki. I stopped doing anything esoteric or metaphysical for a long, long time until, of course, COVID happened. And prior to COVID, I I do have a high stress career Mm -hmm. and it was building month over month over month over month. And then finally during COVID, it all came to a head and I had a complete nervous breakdown Mm -hmm. to the point where I had to take eight weeks of leave from work because I was at the point where I I honestly thought I was going to be hospitalized. I had made some catastrophic decisions that affected myself, affected my family. Um, It could have very well affected my entire life. If I didn't take a step back and regroup, I would have lost everything. Mm -hmm. During that existential crisis, which is what I call it now, Um, I threw myself into mental health products, podcasts, um, therapy, all that kind of thing. And that went a long way towards stabilizing my mood, my nervous breakdown, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't really what I was, my, what my soul was aching for. Mm -hmm. So one day I was reading a passage from the book, Conversations with God, and it struck me so hard that I had to record a stream of consciousness into my phone. And it basically, it was just, it, it's the, the episode on my show that is um, my journey of self-discovery. Uh, it's things called my own personal journey. And that's it. That, beca- that became that, that episode. I held it for a long time because when I, when I first started the show, it was really a way for me to get my thoughts and my emotions out into the universe, right? I, I put affirmations on my social media accounts on a daily basis as a way for me to keep those affirmations top of mind for me. When I put out those messages, it's really messaging for me so that I can reinforce them into my, in my own mind. Well, this audio became the same thing for me at first. And so then I started finding that what I was aching for, what I was looking for was on a such a much deeper level than just mental health. That then I decided to to stand this, this product, this project up to explore the metaphysical and have a way for me to have it documented, which then turned into what you know as a skeptic metaphysician now. Thank you for sharing. Now, exploring metaphysical topics is not uncommon. There are quite a few podcasts in this genre, 
but its inception and your point of view, i.e. a skeptic <laughs> coming out of, of your personal experience, is quite unique. So is your podcast, The Skeptic Metaphysician, your own healing journey? And why did you choose this platform? I don't know if I chose the platform more than the platform chose me. I think that my initial thought, 100%, it was about healing myself. It was about finding my path. I was, there was something severely lacking within me that allowed me to get to the point where I got. I was making catastrophic decisions. I was living life very unconsciously. Um, just going through the motions. Um, I was angry all the time. I was just a, a rotten person, e even though I thought oh, I'm this gregarious guy. I'm a Gemini. I don't take anything seriously. I just, I have fun. Life is easy, but I was, I was taking people for granted. I was using people for my own gain without on a, on a subconscious level, that doesn't excuse it. I was still doing that, even though I was blind to the fact that I was doing these things. So when I was confronted with all that reality, it I was devastated, absolutely devastated. So when I launched the project, it was really a way for me to get a handle on my self-discovery. Who the hell am I? What? Why? have I chosen to go through this journey and how can I make myself better and finding that my journey desperately needed a spiritual component to make me feel connected, not just to myself and my family, but to everyone else around me. It suddenly became a passion project for me. It was something that I was putting out there and getting it out there in the universe as a way for me to, to confirm to myself my findings, but also a plea to the universe to please, please let me find that thing that I need to help me heal. And we talked a little bit before we started recording. I'm not sure if I ever will be healed completely. Mm. I, I fully believe that this is a lifelong challenge and journey for me now mm. moving forward. And I'm okay with that because when I first started the show, it was, I need to find my path. Whereas now it's become much more of a, actually, my path is the exploration. Mm -hmm. I may not have one path, but I think my path is exploring all of the paths that are out there. Because as, as I'm finding, as I'm talking to different people, and I've talked to all kinds of people. I've walked, talked to witches and psychics and paranormal investigators. And I've spoken to past life regression therapists and clairvoyants and mediums and channels and you name it, law of attraction experts and Thai Buddhist monks and all kinds of people. And I'm finding that everybody is saying the exact same thing in a different language. Like we're all just using different words to say the same thing. So it doesn't really matter what path you choose. I, I, I believe if, if you believe that we are God, that we are bits of God on this, on this world, then we've chosen to lay out all different paths for us to choose to get to where we're all going. Because what resonates with me may not resonate with you. So how can there be just one path? So whereas before I was saying, no, if, if you are 
Catholic. I cannot believe you actually believe that that is the way to God. Well, that's a terribly short-minded way of looking at it. When I should be saying, I love that you have found your path. It's not mine, but I support you in yours and hope that you get everything that you need from that path, whatever it may be. Catholicism, by all means, I hope it does well for you. Please be careful because in every path, just like in Catholicism or in paganism or in spirituality, how many times have you heard, right? The one apple spoils the bunch kind of thing. There are all kinds of people that are in it for the wrong reasons in every organization, in every walk of life. And just because there's been a few rotten apples in Catholicism doesn't mean that they're all terrible people. Just the opposite. There's actually... I've met so many wonderful, beautiful people who truly believe in the tenets behind Catholicism or Christianity. And if they truly live it, it's wonderful. It's, it's Christ-like, right? It's a, it's a Christ consciousness. It's, it's becoming what we all want to become. It's just, unfortunately, sometimes it's wrapped up in so much dogma that people get lost in it. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, Quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Mm, absolutely. I love your metaphor of Mulder from the X-Files, which, I, which um, I'm a big fan of. And, and uh, I'm sorry that it's finished <laughs> and it, it didn't continue. But I find that this metaphor quite interesting. So my question is, what is the Mulder's view of Metaphysics 101 now? Are you in the same place now? And if not, what has changed? And by the way, could you remind me, when did you start this podcast? How long ago? Um, it's relatively new. It started in February of this past year. This year or last year? This year. It started February this year. And we've aired an, an episode every single week now for 34 weeks. Wow. This year only. Okay. This year only. I've missed it, to be honest, because it just <laughs> it just feels... I, I thought you, you've had it for... I don't know, a couple of years now, but no. now it's very new. Okay, so what is the Mulder's view of Metaphysics 101, which is your 
pursued your exploration. Now, are you in the same place now or different place? And what has changed? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I am 100% not the same guy I was when I first started. I can tell you that everyone who knows me knows that I, when I jump into something, I jump in not just with both feet, but my entire being, everything that I am, I throw myself into something. Uh, my therapist, my current therapist, likes to say that I am one of those people that um, does more of the work outside of her office than inside of her office. Because I, I, when I realize that something has to change or that I'm interested in something, I go with it completely. I put everything of me into it. Mm -hmm. So when I started the show, um, it was, it was, we, we talked about it. It was a healing journey for me. It was something that I was doing for myself out there. Uh, I, I, I really, really wanted to feel, I wanted to astral project. I wanted to lose a dream. I want to see auras. I want to know my past lives. I want to be psychic. I want to be able to read your thoughts or get messages from beyond to tell you, I want to experience these things because if I experience them firsthand, I can say, yes, absolutely. This is all real stuff. Mm. I've not yet experienced any of that well i shouldn't i should say i've not astral projected i've not lucid dreamed i have not been able to see auras i've not although i have been gone through past life regression i don't know if i'm a hundred percent sure that that's what it was mm -hmm. i do have a story that surprised me about a message that i received that we put to the test and it came back as being accurate, which honestly scared the living daylights out of me, to be honest with you. It didn't, it didn't thrill me. It actually scared me more than anything else. Would you share what it was? Um, or it's too personal? Sure. No, no, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, <laughs> I, I won't give complete details because it involves other people, but in terms of on, on sure. my end of things, um, I have uh, someone in our family that recently passed recently within the last two years or so. And there was, um, it was abrupt and it was uh, unfortunate. He left behind uh, two beautiful children and these children are now having to move forward without their father. And there was, how can I say this in a way that makes sense? There was something that happened to one of them that desperately needed the guidance of their father. And my wife turned to me and she said, maybe you can talk to one of the people that you've interviewed. Mm -hmm. Maybe they can channel him so we can get some guidance. And I said, no, this is what she needs to know. Da, 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 da. It, and I, my wife believes that I channeled him. Right, that I, I got a message from him and passed it along. I don't know if that's what happened, but I can tell you that it was something that I've not experienced before. I didn't hear his voice. I didn't get a nudge. I didn't feel anybody touching me or anything like that. I just all of a sudden knew what the answer was. Wow. It was, oh, this is what she needs to know. And I gave the message. Well, then, um, the question is, you know, is that really, is that, you know, is it, is that just you giving your advice or, you know, that kind of thing. So I, uh, mm -hmm. 
my wife is, is she's very much of a believer. She is 100% on board. Uh, she says, well, can you, um, can you ask him to tell you something that only he and his wife would know that we can then confirm with her? I said, I don't know. I, it just feels weird for me. It feels uncomfortable, but, and then instantly, uh, okay. There is a keystone. They buried something underneath the house. You can ask her. Uh, there's something that they, they put together. Together, they buried it. It's like a keystone or something. That's some sort of stone that that they put on the in the foundations of the house in in order to signify that their their love. There's they're they're starting their budding romance. I don't know. ask her if they did something like that. And lo and behold, she came back and she said, "How did you know that? We actually buried a stone." in our foundation with our names on it to signify that we were starting out as a family for the first time. Wow. <laughs> that I'll tell you what, that freaked the hell out of me because I, I had no way of knowing mm. anything about that. No clue. I knew that they had built the house, but that's all, that's all I knew about. And I, it wasn't that they built it. They had someone else build it. So mm-hmm. to get confirmation about that to me, scared the daylights out of me and I've not gone back and inquired anything else since then because it scares me that this guy might be over my shoulder right now. (laughs) Why? Why did it scare you that he passed on, which appears like there was a communication, which you know from your own podcast and talking to, to many people, it is pretty much a fact of life. Why did it scare you? Because a scientist <laughs> stepped in, right? Then the scientists are saying, come on, that was a lucky guess. Here's the thing. I, I don't, I've interviewed lots of very talented people with incredible gifts, but I've also interviewed a lot of people that I have never released that I just go, ah, mm. I'm sorry. I just, uh, it just feels like all you're trying to do is sell snake oil. And I just don't mm-hmm. want to be that guy that gives it out there. Right. So, so unfortunately I know that there's a lot of people out there who are just doing this and pretending and trying to make $20 on a reading or something like mm-hmm. that. I never, want to be looked at as a charlatan. I never want to be looked at as someone who is, who wants to draw attention to himself because, Oh, he's psychic or, Oh, he's, he's channeling Mm -hmm. someone from the other side. I I don't, I don't want to be looked at like that. And I'm afraid that if I say to someone, I've got a message to you from beyond, they're going to go, what? Get away (laughs) from me. You, I did not know you were that kind of guy. (laughs) It's bad enough that I do this show. Like many of my friends and family, don't even realize I do the show because there's such a stigma behind what I'm exploring, right? People are going to think I need the padded rooms, right? Mm. So much less to say, Hey, I've, I'm, I speak to people from beyond. Right. Okay. Now perhaps I, my question wasn't very clear, <laughs> which, which happens <laughs> sometimes <laughs> to all of us. So I'd like to to clarify what I meant to ask you. I didn't mean pursuing this capacity, this skill as a reader to say to the world, hello, I am a new reader on on the block. 
please come and book my book reading with me. (laughs) But (laughs) to open the channel of your insight and intuition and connection with the spirit for your own benefit and your own purpose. But in your case, I feel it was a tap on the shoulder, just like with Reiki again. Mm. And so perhaps there is an opportunity for you to open the channel for your own purpose, not necessarily for your personal benefit, but to enrich the work that you do. For example, I get a lot of insights and downloads that I use in my podcast for other people to hear. So when I say, when I'm referring to your own benefit, that's for your work, to open the channel, to draw more information, more insight that you can use for the benefit of others. Mm. Yeah. It's a fantastic question. And it, it, there's two parts to, that, to the answer to that question. The first part is my wife very much wants me to develop it. She, she's, she's firmly, she firmly believes that I did indeed get messages and she wants me to develop it because uh, he was just one, this gentleman beloved by everyone. And they would love to have more communications with him just to, just for starters. When I gave those messages to her, I doubted them myself. Completely, 100%. I don't know if this is real or if I'm just imagining it, but here's what I'm getting, right? So I have an awful fear that I'm going to look at her and I say, this is what I'm getting. And she's going to go, that that sounds like complete fabrication, right? I, it, it scares me that maybe I, in my in my urgency to get a message across to her, because she's constantly, hey, is, has, has he sent you anything? Uh, then that 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 in my effort to try to say yes here it is i'm going to make something up and it's just not Mm going to resonate right so that's that's a fear Mm -hmm. now when it comes to my work that's a really interesting question because and i just had a phone conversation with a a guest i'm going to have on the show here in the near future who's a very talented um uh young lady um and it occurred to me for the very first time and you and I spoke about my appearance on another podcast and I mentioned to you, I don't really remember what it was that we had talked about on that show. And I, and I intimated that I go on lots of different shows. So I don't know what I said on each one. The truth of the matter is that when I, whether I speak with you here now or on another podcast or when I do my shows, I had to listen to them back because starting from the very first stream of consciousness recording I did on my phone mm. to now, I don't remember half of the things I said. Mm. Mm-hmm. And some of the things when I hear the shows back, I go, wow, that does not sound like me <laughs> at all. That is incredibly <laughs> insightful. And I don't know where that came from. So I do believe that I'm already channeling information without even realizing it yeah. because I truly don't remember. I won't remember half of our conversation. It has nothing to do with how engaged I am with the, with the conversation with you because I am very engaged and I, and I love talking about these things with people, but yeah. I, I, half of the information is not coming from me. And I really do feel that. So that's already the case. Yeah. In fact, I was going to mention that uh, initial stream of consciousness, as you put it, that you recorded on your phone 
So that's exactly what it was. It was a stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if the information we are receiving and then conveying or recording somehow, which is not enforced or uh, struggled with just to, you know, to compose, but it flows through and it often flows through very quickly yeah. so that we, we, we need to either record it verbally or, or write it down very quickly. This indicates obviously channeling. Yes. I talked about it recently on my podcast about channeling, which is very interesting because we can discern between channeling our own thoughts, mm-hmm. which perhaps uh, are supported by some research or something we have read. So we are uh, we are creating this conscious thought in our logical mind versus a flow of information that we might be even semi-aware of that just flows through, which means it comes from higher level of existence, another world, another dimension from whoever or whatever, but not from our conscious mind. And I think that's the key difference. Yeah. And I think now that we've gotten to this point, I can now elaborate on my an answer from earlier about this being a healing project for me. Mm-hmm. The act of hearing it back, even though it was my words, was the message that I needed myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it was incredibly educational and incredibly inspiring and incredibly life changing to hear whether it's my own subconscious mind speaking to me or I'm channeling something from the universe elsewhere, whatever it was. These messages, when I when I listened to, to my show back, astounded me so much so that I I still to this day listen to every one of my shows back because inevitably I will learn many things. I just I just before we started recording here, I just finished listening to an interview I did with a Buddhist monk who was talking to me about meditation and. I, again, didn't remember most of the of the conversation. And I had my co-host with me on that show, and she does remember things. And when we talk, I'm going, I don't remember that. So I it just reminded me, and I actually took notes because I completely forgot that we talked about that. And it's the message that it's exactly what I needed. So now it, it was about a type of meditation. When I meditate, I meditate with a goal in mind where I actually, I've got to start meditating without that goal in mind, but rather in an effort to surrender and join the one, the all, as opposed to, I just silence my mind, I need to think about this, I need to, I need to be uh, uh, loving uh, kindness, and I need to be thoughtful of others. No, no. I need to just be. And that's where I've been missing. And never once did I remember him talking about that when we were recording. But just now, when I was listening to the show, that message hit me right between the eyes and I took a note so that Monday morning, when I go back to my meditation practice, the very first thing I'm going to do is make sure that I read that note that says surrender. Mm. And that's the hardest thing for me to do, but I needed to hear it from that, from that message.
Yes, and that's a very powerful message. So how do you feel about channeling this information for the benefit of others and, and your own benefit? How And how does it compare with that fear of channeling your family member? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, still, it's still very pertinent. I feel, even as I'm saying this to you, I feel like an imposter. Like, I mean, to, to my mind, it sounds incredulous. How, how could he possibly be saying that he's channeling information from somewhere else? How is it possible, right? That's my pragmatic mind. If I'm hearing myself right now, I'm thinking, wow, you just talked to Anna about the fact that you have been living your life in a completely ego-driven way. And here you are again now saying that you are this channel, that you are channeling messages. How egotistical is that for you to think that you are actually channeling other people's messages, right? So mm. that that fear, that <laughs> trauma that I've experienced over the last two years, knowing, seeing myself living that ego-driven ego life okay. has impacted me so profoundly that now I'm gun-shy to think that this could actually be genuine. Mm. All I can think about is, no, there I go again, being ego. There's oh, me, 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 will, 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 right? And that's where the fear lies. I don't have special powers. I'm just I'm just me. So perhaps this journey is, as you said, is a healing process for you to heal those fears, to heal those wounds, to heal those pains and, and, and those beliefs and those assumptions that you have, which perhaps are a block on your full opening to this work. It very, very well be could be the case. I do think that this show is a healing journey in a lot of different ways. I'm sure you're right. That's more than likely one of them. But there's so many other reasons for the healing power of this show for me that... Um, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording. Uh, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was about ready to close the show down and um, I didn't think it, it was impactful to anyone but me. So why put it out in the universe? It was too much work for me to do. It really was a lot of work. So let me just close it down. And my wife and I were going through some things in the podcast in preparation for it shutting down. And we stumbled on some reviews of the show and we started reading them together. And some of the comments that were on the podcast review page moved both of us so much that she turned to me and she said, you can't close the show down to mm. see the people, the comments that they left about how the subject had touched them and how much the show is helping them put the show in a completely different place in my mind than it was. It was just a journey of discovery for me. Now it's become more of a journey of discovery to help me and anyone else out there who could possibly want it. And, and we didn't close the show, obviously, and we don't foresee closing it anytime soon because mm. the more conversations I have with people, the more I understand that there are so many more conversations that have to be had. Absolutely. Please don't, don't close it down. Don't <laughs> please keep it, keep it going because it is an amazing <laughs> podcast. Oh, well, now, thank you. Will, in your 
intro bio, which I believe is also on your website, you say that you share your experiences of weird and paranormal with your podcast audience in an effort to find the trick to self-growth and spiritual awakening. This implies that you are looking for a magic bullet, a trigger, a magic spell, a magical phrase like open sesame. Do you believe that it does exist or is the path to self-growth and spiritual awakening a long and challenging one? 100% the latter. You can tell that that bio was written when I first started the show. I was on a, <laughs> I was on a mission. <laughs> I want to find that open sesame. I want to find that magic bullet. I'm looking for that proof. I have since mm. learned, and I, I thank you for that. I need to change that bio for sure. I, I have since learned <laughs> that it's not a destination. Spirituality is not a destination. It is absolutely mm. a journey. And that's why I mentioned I will be in on this healing journey for the rest of my life. It, likely many lives in, in the future as well. Um, and that was going back to that monk that taught me that I needed to surrender when I meditated. The message was exactly that, that going into it with the goal in mind, I want to astral project or I want to see auras or whatever it is. I want to see my past lives is exactly the wrong way to go about it. Those things are things that come along the road to and and along the road to enlightenment if if they're meant for you. But really, what we what we're trying to do, mm. honestly, is we're trying to rejoin with the all. We're trying to remember how we're all connected as one. And learning to astral project, though, I might be able to encounter. Uh, departed loved ones or different entities. Um, it's not going to connect me with the all as profoundly as surrendering and allowing me and myself to dissolve my personality, my ego to dissolve into the all and joining with the acknowledgement and the awakened knowledge that really we are the same. So yes, I, I'm very different place now than I was back then, for sure. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta, the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Absolutely. I'd like to bring into our conversation now the concepts of karma, free will, and destiny. I talk about it in my solo podcast, uh, which was released in two parts. 
where I share the insight I have received from the quantum field. And I would like to quote it here and then ask for your thoughts. Destiny is a product of free will exercised by the soul in spirit between incarnations. Karma is a product of free will exercised by the human ego during incarnations. Life is a function of destiny, karma, and free will. Mm. Think of your free will as your creative tool, like a paintbrush. You used it to paint your destiny on the canvas of this incarnation and have used it many times before and continue to use every day on the physical plane to create new karma, change your karma, and change your destiny. Now, after I wrote it down and read it back, I had a similar experience to, to what you have mentioned. I mean, this this didn't come from my conscious mind. This came from a higher plane. So that's why I created a, a podcast on that. My question is, well, what are your thoughts? And by the way, I'm not saying that this is necessarily right, wrong, or, or indifferent. This is what I have received and what I feel is true. It resonates with me. My question to you is, in the context of your own experience, how does it resonate with you? And more importantly, what are your thoughts on destiny, karma, and free will, which appear to be mutually exclusive, but really they are not, perhaps? Mm. Yeah. Fascinating topics. Um, My favorite quote of all time is the universe rearranges itself to accommodate your version of reality. (laughs) So my answer to that, to your Mm. question is yes, this absolutely, I believe 100% is your reality, Anna. That's exactly what it is for you. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer. I wasn't until recently. I am now a firm believer in karma. I do believe in energies. I don't believe there's good or evil. I do. I believe that there's just energies and, and the way that you utilize energy, it goes towards a certain benefit or consequence. Mm-hmm. I do feel that things dam up and accumulate. And after it gets to a certain point, the dam overflows and then it will come back to you, whether it's been positive or not so positive in ways. I can only explain some of the things that have happened to me in the last two years by knowing that karma exists because I have not been mm-hmm. a great person. So now I'm paying for a lot of that, but I don't feel that karma needs to be looked at as a negative thing because I will tell you that the very best thing that could possibly have happened to me as a soul, as a human being is to be slapped down by the universe the way I was, because now I'm awakened to the fact that I was not the guy I wanted to be that I thought I was. And I can now put myself forward back into my search for enlightenment without being driven to it by ego. I love that you brought up the quantum field because 
part of the skeptic part of me, in the scientist part of me, with the advent of quantum mechanics, it opened everything up wide open. All of a sudden, everything is possible. In quantum physics, the cat is both alive and dead at the same time in the box in Schrodinger's cat, that that whole theory, the experiment, right? So when I spoke to a gentleman by the name of Benji Scherer, he is the most mind-blowing, smartest young man I've ever interviewed. And I've interviewed a lot of people in my industry, in my, in my, my work. He talked to me about the law of attraction and he brought up the concept to me for the first time I'd ever heard of reality transurfing. And the concept is firmly embedded in quantum mechanics. And basically it's the fact that if you look at time, time is literally what they're saying is not linear. Time, the way we know it, it goes from left to right in a, in a linear format. And we experience things in the moment in time as they happen. And the, that point is in the past and it will never happen again. And things in the future, we're still haven't, have, haven't occurred yet, but we're going to get to them on this linear fashion. Well, according to reality transurfing, this theory, instead of making it linear left to right, it flips it on its vertical axis, and it's now seen as a film strip. Mm-hmm. And each film strip has a cell, right? And each cell is a moment in time that could potentially hold a different reality. That when you reality transurf, when you make a de- decision, you then shift into another reality, which then becomes true for you. So mm. if you are destined to live a certain life, then, and you stay within that same reality, you will absolutely become that person or live that certain life. Mm. But an awakened person can actually choose to change their destiny by transurfing to a different reality Now, another part of you who has not chosen to do that will stay and fulfill that destiny. But my conscious self has made a conscious decision to not follow that destiny and instead follow a different one. Yep. That's my belief system. I believe we create our own reality. I believe that we are not destined to one particular thing or another if we don't want it. But I do believe that we have made a decision prior to coming to this on this to this plane that in this lifetime we're going to experience this we're going to talk to these people they're going to be here for this particular reason and it's all going to play out in a certain fashion but at any given moment if we decide that's no longer valid for us then we are ever in our perfect right to alter that and change our destiny and our reality Which is pretty much what I have said. Absolutely. <laughs> just just said it differently, but as a concept, that's that's exactly that's exactly my belief. So the underlying point here is that we do we always have free will, whether during our lifetime, whether before incarnations, if that's our belief system, 
So in other words, nothing is really permanently imposed upon us. We have a blueprint, but yes, we always have a free will to change it. Now, quite often it happens that that we may not like what we have created in between our lifetimes while in spirit. If the blueprint contains a lot of harsh lessons, a lot of pain and suffering in order which we chose in order to get us to a certain point on our personal journey. And we are aware of that, but we don't want it, we don't like it. So then using this disconnect, we can make an effort, knowing that we can, to change our destiny and change our blueprint. And I argue that we can negotiate, as I put it, with the spirit, a change of our blueprint. If we say have enough of the life that we don't want and we want to change it, we can negotiate. And some people that I spoke to say, oh no, 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 we can't do you can't you can't do this. You know, your blueprint is your blueprint. It is, you can't you can't negotiate with God. I said, Yes, I can. I talk to God every day. I mean, God is my friend. I'm a part of God. So what I I don't see it as as something impossible. In fact, God loves when when their souls recognize their relationship and and talk to them and and communicate and and co-create because we are in the flow of co-creation. So the more we change and adopt our destiny, we are co-creating, which is our divinity in action. And by the way, my definition of creation or, or creating is to bring into existence something out of non-existence. Mm-hmm. So when you write a book, when you paint a painting, when you do a podcast, when you when you knit, you know, a sock, when you when you bring something into this 3D reality that didn't exist before, you have created it. You used your divine powers to bring something into existence out of non-existence, out of nothingness. And when I first realized this concept, it it blew my mind. It's like, wow, (laughs) this is, we are taking it for granted that when we create a song or or a book or or anything, when we create a child, okay? Nine months ago, there was no child. Nine months later, there is a new being in this world. How did it happen? The miracle of creation. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more. At the same time, God, that same God that we're talking about now, looks at the people that says, you, you can't negotiate with God. And, say, and far be it from God to say that they're wrong. So for them, they can't negotiate with God. So they are fully on board with, within their reality. They will have yes. no free will. They have that destiny. Yes, and I find it fascinating that, that you said that because this is exactly my belief. You you get what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So thank you for, yeah. for highlighting this. Absolutely. Whatever you believe, you are 100% right. 
100% right. What I believe is 100% right. And both can absolutely coexist Yeah, because it's proven every single day. And what does it mean? It means that there is no limit on of what we can create. <laughs> absolutely. We are absolutely limitless beings. And that is probably one of the biggest lessons that I have learned over the last year, that I am part of a limitless source of energy that has split itself into billions of pieces in order to understand itself. I'm, you, we're all part of that. And our job here is to remember that. Absolutely. And to rejoin eventually, having experienced what we're experiencing here so that the all can truly understand itself in all of the different facets. When I sit across this computer screen from you, I, part of me, the whole namaste, right? I, I acknowledge the divinity within you. It goes so much further than that. To me, I acknowledge that you and I, we're the same being. We are the same in different bodies, in different wrappers, and in different experiences. But you and I, Anna, we're the same person. Yes. We're the same being. We're just experiencing a human life so that we can then go back when we go and ascend. You have all your experiences that are completely different than all the experiences that I went through. And we can now join those and understand ourselves more fully. Mm. So it's, I celebrate the people that say they can't negotiate with God because mm. whew, that would not work for me. <laughs> so I'm glad that they're there, that they can experience that and we can, you know, understand it. But when we all rejoin up there yes. again, uh, but for me, I couldn't, I, I need to create my own reality yeah. and I'm yeah. doing that on a daily basis. And I thank God, because if I wasn't creating my own reality, I don't, I don't think my family would have survived this, this pat these past two years. Mm. I don't. Absolutely. You've touched upon this uh, just a mo few moments ago, uh, which was beautiful because you started answering my next question. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yes, we, we are connected. We yeah, are absolutely no connected. We, so you, you know what I was going to, to ask you <laughs> next. Uh, so I, I will, I will ask the question because I'm sure that, uh, that you, uh, you may wish to elaborate on this bit more. How do you reconcile the quantum concept of life with metaphysics? And is it one and the same? Yes. Yes. That's the complete answer. Yes. They are one, one and the same. I, I resort back to my statement earlier about quantum mechanics and quantum physics as a way of being able to explain the unexplainable. In this three-dimensional physical world we're living in, you, we can't explain the fact that you and I are channeling these messages when they do. We can't explain people that astrally leave their bodies. We can't explain the fact that children come back with full recollection of past lives that they've lived. 
right? Or that when under hypnosis, you have people revert to different languages that they have no idea that they knew in this present life, but they were actually reliving a past life, right? There's no way to explain these things without quantum mechanics, without the quantum field. A while back, I heard for the first time of and I hope I don't mess this up. It's not the God particle. It's the soul. I think it's the soul particle. And it is from what research, what very little research I've done. Uh, it actually came out in one of the interviews that I had, that I did this soul particle. Gosh, now I'm, I'm second guessing myself on whether that's what it's called, but, the, but it, it's something along those lines. This particle only shows up in your body in your physical being in two instances in your life, birth and death. What's the connection between those two? It's a transition from non-physical to physical on both ends of the, of the spectrum. So that, in my mind, opens the door to the possibility that the quantum field transforms the energy by utilizing very specific tools that have very specific rules and laws within the three-dimensional mm-hmm. world that we're living in. Because that veil that is splitting us between our physical world and our spiritual world is mm-hmm. there for a reason, but there has to be a way to access both from both sides. There has to be a way to access it. So that, that way is this quantum field that surrounds us, that allows us to be connected as connected as we want to, or as disconnected as we want to. Mm. So to answer your question very succinctly, yes, a hundred percent. It is the same thing in my estimation, in my reality. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, speaking of your the Skeptic Metaphysician podcast, could you share with us some most unusual, perhaps scary or unbelievable or hilarious or enlightening topics and guests you have had on your podcast? Certainly. Uh, so we've talked a lot about metaphysics and mysticism and things like that. But we also on the show talk about esoteric things and paranormal things. And one of the, one of the interviews that surprised me the most was I interviewed a young lady who considers herself a a real vampire. Mm -hmm. And of course, my question as a scientist is, does that mean you're going around draining people's blood? I mean, you sustain yourself with blood. Her answer I should have expected, but didn't somehow, because when you think vampire, you think bloodthirsty demons that go after you in the middle of the night, that kind of thing. But to her, it was about energy. It's about sustaining or filling her energy reserves with bits of energy that people aren't using. And so where you constantly feel that you've heard the term energy vampire, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That people, yep. you, you're being drained by someone. And there, there are people who un- subconsciously do that. Yep. She consciously takes what energy you're not using, doesn't want to drain you. And in fact, during, throughout the course of the interview, I've learned just the opposite. She is actually a healer. She doesn't want to drain your energy. She wants to just 
supplement her own energy reserves by using energies that you don't use, that the, the, the superfluous stuff, that she can then turn around and share it with others who might need it. Mm. And it occurred to me because one of my listeners left a review for me that said it was interesting to see that perhaps she was needing to be in this lifetime, needing to be the light in the darkness for people because she's in this subset subculture of, you know, you think vampires, you think Gothic and dark and dreary, but she's this beacon of light to try to help the people that are mired in this darkness that no one will reach their hand out to from this side of the aisle. And I found that fascinating that she allowed herself to go into the dark subculture of vampirism in order to bring a light that didn't exist there before. That astounding to me that somewhere along the line, she made a deal with herself before she was born that that was going to be her path this time around. Mm. And I'd never heard that before. Never even considered something like that before. But there she was in full living color. So that was really incredibly exciting. Yes, it is fascinating. So she's a true light worker and chose this this particular peculiar and unique path to bring the light into some areas of darkness. But I'm curious, I haven't uh, listened to this episode, which I will, (laughs) but I'm curious if you could share with us if you can recall how does she know that the energy she's accessing from other people is the energy they don't use or they don't need. Mm. I find this part interesting. That's a great question. And I can tell you from my personal experience, uh, I'm, we haven't talked about this, but I, I'm an empath. I, I feel what other people feel. It's become, even in the scientific world, before I started exploring the metaphysical, um, I always knew that when someone was in a bad mood, it put me immediately in a bad mood. If someone's joyful, it put made me joyful. If someone is is feeling pain or angry with me, it's I I mirror that emotion immediately. I cannot, as hard as I try, I cannot sever that connection. And that's something that I'm working with my therapist to try to develop because I do need to close that off. I need to be able to keep my own energies within myself. Yeah, yeah. So when I was interviewing her as an empath, I fully expected her when she mentioned that she was an energy vampire, quote unquote, to feel at the end of the interview, to be deflated, to be depleted of energy. Even during the interview, I felt the complete opposite. I felt elated, giddy. I felt surprisingly great during and after the interview. And she and I had never spoken before. And the only thing that I can relate it to is when you have, uh, when you've eaten too much, right? You ate this wonderful meal and you're so full and you feel like, oh, geez, I wish I hadn't eat that much because I would, I would feel much better now. <laughs> and then after an hour or two, you start to digest that food and you're like, oh, I feel so much better now. It's almost like maybe the energies were being built up so much through our conversation that she was taking that overstuffed feeling so that after it was all said and done, I felt great at the end of it. I could be completely mistaken, but that's, that's the thought that came to mind. Like, wow, you know what? I, I actually feel really good. 
a lot of the interviews I do with people, especially I interviewed someone, ah, how much to say? Two people, two people I've interviewed, one I've released, the other one I have not, who at the end of the interview, I felt completely depleted. And quite often, actually, I will feel like we'll stop the recording and we'll put our microphones away and I have to sit back in my chair and take a minute to kind of, oh, like get my energies back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an exchange of energy in every interview and I give a lot of my energy when I speak to somebody of my own free will because I, 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 I like doing that. I, I, I like to connect, I like that connection. Mm-hmm. So it depletes. But with her, I didn't feel that. I felt the opposite. And that was interesting to me because I'd never experienced that before. Mm, yes, very interesting. And, and I can only think that if she was taking energies that wasn't stuff that I didn't need, I would have felt somewhat depleted, but it was the opposite. Okay. So though I didn't ask okay. that specific question and I kicked myself for not asking that question <laughs> because that's like a good one, darn it. <laughs> I may have to reach out to her again and ask her that question now that you asked mm. Uh, but I can only give you my my own thoughts based on my experience from her. Yes. And it sounds like she is doing this intuitively. Obviously, she must be very sensitive to energy and, and used to working with energy. And so she's doing this intuitively to take only as little or as much as is good for you or for the, the person that she's interacting with. Uh, so it's um, yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting. It feels it feels very much like a symbiotic relationship more than a um, a oh geez, what's the word? Um, parasitic. Thank you. Much. It feels much more like a symbiotic relationship than a parasitic mm. relationship in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, which which means that she's a healer, as you said. Yeah. No. No question. Your word for her was perfect. She is a light worker. I, I firmly believe she is a light worker, but it's so counterintuitive because she is, when I interviewed her, uh, the when we released a video, you see her. She's, she's her, her background is very dark. Uh, she's got the cameo around her neck. She has her vampiric fangs <laughs> on. Um, she's got the deep, dark makeup. I mean, she is very gothic in appearance, but- She's there to help that community. It, it's, the, it's the shining light in the darkness. It, it's, it's this really dichotomy that I just couldn't ever expect. And it was, it was, it was truly wonderful. Mm. Um, and and I, I hope that we, we maintain contact because uh, I've never met someone quite like her before. Is she accepted in her, in that community? Because people surely must feel the difference in her energy and how she works with energy. So is she accepted in this community and are people aware of how different she is? Yeah, I I think she is. I think she must. Uh, She did. We did talk a little bit about that. And she mentioned that it, it, even when, when we were preparing for the interview, she said, I need to be careful what I say and what I share because the community is very supportive of me and they're all going to be listening. Okay. So, yes, she's very supported. And yes, she's very accepted because I think that that community might be very misunderstood. Mm. Hollywood has done wonderful things for lots of different communities. The vampire community, they have not done good things for. Mm. 
they have showcased vampirism to be, like we mentioned, this blood-sucking demon, this um, parasite, mm-hmm. um, when there is inside all of us. I did in uh, one of my one of my episodes was on shadow work, and in it we talked about the fact that the the shadows are in all of us. Mm-hmm. It's the duality, the balance between the shadow and the light that is where we are supposed to live. Some of these folks really feel comfortable living in the shadow, and because they live a different, they have a different path, which is living in those shadows. They're not accepted by light workers, right? That's that's demons, that's darkness, that's you're not supposed to be living in the shadow. You're supposed to be dealing with your shadows and then coming into the light. Mm-hmm. So these folks are living in the shadow and staying in the shadow and being shunned by people who are not in the shadows. So just like everyone, they might have built this wall around themselves that we see as a chip on their shoulder or anger or anything like that. And we become afraid of it. So then you have this person who is willing to live in the shadows, but bring her light with her. Mm. Suddenly they have someone that knows their world and lives in their world, but accepts them even though she is a light worker because she is one of them. I can only imagine that being incredibly inspiring for them in a large extent. So, um, mm-hmm. that was a that was a long answer to your question. I'm not even sure yeah. if I even answered it completely. <laughs> yes, th- thank you for sharing. Yes, uh, it is a fascinating story, an example of a highly evolved soul. She must be a very old soul, having chosen this sort of task, which is challenging. So it's not your mainstream light worker path but it is challenging so um, i think i might invite her to appear on my show too (laughs) yeah Mm. i think i think you absolutely should and and i'll tell you this though when you meet her you'll realize that i do believe she's doing it completely unconsciously i think what she's bringing to them she's not even aware of the benefits that she brings to that that culture that society because so if she's not aware, how come you talked about it? Um, because my fascination, when I was growing up, I was, I, I, you know, Dracula was my idol. I, I, I was fascinated with that lifestyle too. So, um, so I asked the questions specifically about the culture and then specifically about her healing. She is a, she's a healer. So we, we talked about them and then, molded it into the conversation about the the culture, the vampirism, vampire culture. And though she's aware that she is a dichotomy within this culture, I don't believe she's fully consciously aware of just the depth of benefits that she brings to that. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. Yes. So, so this came up in the conversation in the context of her work very interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all what I expected, to be honest with you. Um, but, and that's a, the best thing about the show is that I, I literally have no idea. I think I know what mm. I'm going to talk to someone about, but inevitably it goes in what well, we talked mm-hmm. about channeling uh, the messages. 
I never, I, I, I've got questions. I know the direction I want to head in, but inevitably spirit universe, whoever just says, nope, nope, you're going down this rabbit hole instead. And <laughs> who am I to tell the universe? No, no, we got to stick to the, yeah. the script here. Uh, I just, okay. I follow along. And some of the most amazing conversations happened because of it. In fact, I had a Thai Buddhist monk on the show. He did Thai, a different Buddhist monk that didn't talk about meditation. He talked about Thai Buddhist magic. And I had a list of questions. He sent me all these topics we can talk about. And we talked about maybe one on the list that he sent me. Everything else, because I was fascinated and, and, and just all these other things that we were talking about to the point where he's coming back again for a second time. The first guest I will have had a second time because we I, I need to go back and talk about the original stuff we, <laughs> we're going to be talking about. So yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I this is mm. this has been absolutely fascinating. I'm learning so much and, and just enjoying the living daylights out of it. Beautiful. So I'm going to ask you a question, Will, which I am certain you would not expect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Surprise. (laughs) If you met a genie who grants you three wishes, what would they be? Now, think carefully, as you have only three wishes, they can be anything under the sun and beyond, but you have only three wishes. What would they be? Take your time. Oh boy, you are right. I was not expecting this question. And the person that I am has a very difficult time choosing things. And if I'm told you only have three things to choose mm-hmm. out of five billion. Yes. yes. Nine times out of ten, it will paralyze me. That's the challenge. And there is a psychological purpose for this question. So it's not just for entertainment purposes, but well, it is (laughs) because it forces you to narrow down out of five billion things that you would want to ask for down to three. So take your time. I will edit out too long a silence. So that's fine. But I really would like to get this answer from you. Three wishes, anything at all, big, small, gigantic, tiny, whatever. Okay. Let me give you my thought process here. I think it's important within the context of the answer. My instinct is to say, I would want a pain-free life for my daughter as one of my wishes. But before I mouth that, I started thinking, look at your experience. It's because of the pain you've gone through that has forged you into the person that you are today. So as they say, a diamond is forged by the incredible pressures put upon coal. Who am I to say, I wish my daughter a pain-free life 
and rob her of the opportunity to be molded into the perfect human being that she's meant to be. So though that would be my first instinct, I'm conflicted because of that. So instead, I think that I would wish for the veil to be lifted because of the world we're living in right now is rough. And I believe that I am experiencing a spiritual awakening almost primarily because of how difficult it is because of the challenges that I'm being presented with on a regular basis. Just today I had an experience inside myself that I am struggling with that I honestly almost canceled our interview because of. I'm glad I didn't because this actually is unbelievably healing this conversation that we're having to me. But that shows me that I'm going through so many of these on an almost daily basis. The act of being born is messy, is painful. It is difficult. And everyone I speak to says that a spiritual awakening, the world has to go through a very messy, difficult spiritual awakening. So what we're experiencing in the world right now is the beginning of that really tumultuous period that we're going as humans to ascend where we need to be. But the drawback to that is just as much as I am experiencing it on a personal level and the Buddhist monk mentioned his exact challenges during his spiritual awakening, I believe the world is undergoing those same things. So I would wish for a speedy transition for the veil to be lifted quickly so that my daughter who's living in the world that is very difficult right now, she's 10 and I'm afraid for her future because of the way the world, the direction of the world is heading in. So I would wish for this transition to be completed fast, quickly. So she never had to experience what I'm praying to God that she does not have to experience. That would probably be my number one. My second wish is, is a selfish one. Very early on, we talked about these catastrophic decisions I had made and the fact that I almost lost my family through this breakdown period that I, that I had. And it goes far beyond that. It goes, it goes, it, the tendrils reach way back in time. And I've also mentioned the fact that it's been the best thing that has possibly happened to me because it's made me who I am now. It's, became, it's, it's made me more aware. It's made me more awakened. So I value it. Having said that, I deeply hurt my family and my friends through my actions. So my second wish would be to let them process it in a way that they need to, that the pain is removed from them. That would be my second wish. I would want them to, whatever lesson they're supposed to be learning from that, whatever karmically they have to learn, to learn it, but for it not to be as painful as it has been for them. But why did you say it's a selfish wish? Uh, because it's not, it, it's, it's specific to my family and it's only in my friends. So 
So it's not selfish. It's for your family and friends. <laughs> I, I guess a part of me believes that. Okay. If they're not, if they're not in pain, mm. they'll forgive me. Maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the third? Uh, my third is probably the most difficult one. And it's probably the most selfish now that I think about it. My third wish would be to find peace within myself. Now, don't make me go through lifetimes and lifetimes of working through my karma, but rather let me find my way back now. My trauma started when I was very, very young. And over the course of my 50 some odd years in his life, I have been struck with traumas on a repeated basis, which have made me into who I I am. So I look back at the person I was and understand I was a less than desirable human being. But going back in counseling, therapy into what forged that person, I understand how it came to pass. I understand why. And I forgive that little boy that started that ball rolling, but I've not yet forgiven myself. So I would wish for me to find the peace that comes with forgiveness. And I'm going to stop here because I don't want to cry. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. And those wishes are beautiful. What I also find fascinating is that I would like to share my three wishes. And I have actually thought about it and wrote it down before this conversation. So it's not like I'm just ad hoc on the tail of what you have shared, just make something up. And so I find it fascinating how close certain wishes, yours and mine, are. Because here are my three wishes that I would ask my genie for. My first wish is that people could learn how to grow and change without pain and suffering. Because the truth is, and I feel it quite deeply, that suffering, while often being an important impetus for growth and change and kicking about, the truth is that suffering erodes the soul. It erodes the soul to the point that those scars are carried over from lifetime to lifetime. And the older the soul, the more scars it has. This is my very strong knowing. I won't even call it a belief. It's a knowing. Having myself gone through quite difficult life with many traumas, as many people have, I have had this growing sense that suffering is not necessary as a pathway and avenue for 
growth as spiritual beings and, and as human beings. It is one of the pathways. It is perhaps the most obvious one, maybe the easiest in the scheme of things. And so we as souls often choose this pathway. But I really, you know, at the core of my soul, I believe that suffering and pain are not necessary, are not the requirement for internal growth and, and spiritual growth. And suffering does, does erode the soul. I know it. I can't prove it, obviously, but I have this very strong sense. So there are other ways. So this is Jeannie. Hello, my Jeannie. <laughs> this is my first wish, that people could learn and were given options and were given opportunities to learn and grow and change and evolve without pain and suffering. So this relates to your first two wishes pretty much. Mm. That's beautiful. My second wish is, this one is more selfish, but again, with with the benefit, I guess, with broader benefit to others. I wish that I could understand how life works. I wish you, I wish that I was given a download like about everything and that I could understand because this is the key. So if I could understand beyond the shadow of a doubt that, yes, this is how everything works, and then I would be able and would want to pass this knowledge on to others. So again, for the purpose, grander purpose, if you like, of awakening, improving our lives and making, making it easier. So because once we can remove pain and suffering and add more joy and happiness and fulfillment, which to me is really the main purpose of our continuous reincarnation. Now, some people say, oh, you know, suffering is optional and the purpose is to learn and to grow. Yes, to learn and to grow and to gain experiences, to remember. And again, I talked about it on my other podcast. I actually question the concept of learning. I believe that we are remembering who we are about our own potential, our own powers. So it is the process of remembering, recalling, as opposed to learning something we never knew and were never aware of. So yes, Jeannie, I'd love to have this download of all information in a way that I can, that my limited brain can actually make sense out of it so that I don't that I don't go insane, obviously. And my third wish is something we haven't talked about. So perhaps this, this could be a topic for another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so my third wish is that still in my lifetime, this lifetime, there is the disclosure of the truth about our ongoing contact with intelligent beings from other planets, because it is a fact of life, let's face it. And it's and a formal introduction of intelligent beings from other planets to our life on Earth. And, and they live here anyway. 
And we know that there's, mm. there's so much evidence that it's just getting, as I said, ridiculous. So, and I believe that this will be the pivotal moment for humanity on many levels that will propel us on our collective and individual journey, spiritual journey, and the journey of our humanity that, yes, we are not alone. We have never been alone and we never will be alone. And then I could say, see, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Those are great wishes. Uh, I, I envy, I have wish envy now. <laughs> those, those, those are great. Those are great. Those are great wishes. Maybe I need, maybe I need six. I just, I need six. Wishes. <laughs> well, the, the first two were pretty much, as I said, in the vein of your two wishes. So, yes. So, Jeannie, our two genies <laughs> have just listened to our three wishes. And yes, let, let's believe that they will be fulfilled at least at some level. The law of attraction says it will be so. So, let's make it happen. Absolutely. So, Will, my final question, what would be your key message, a key takeaway from this conversation? for our audience. And we've covered a lot of material here. We have, <laughs> yes. I think probably what I would want people to take away from this conversation is that no matter where you are in your journey, it's not the destination you're heading in or it's not the actual path you're taking it's that you're on the journey. Take that step. If you haven't yet taken that first step, take it. If you have already, if you're midway through, know that it, be comfortable with the journey because the journey is what this is about. It's not something that you should have a goalpost in mind for. Allow yourself the grace to accept your challenges, accept your failings, accept your strengths, your weaknesses, accept yourself in your present iteration because you are perfect in every way right in this very moment. But know that you have a long journey ahead of you and that journey can be anything that you want it to be. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Will. This, is, this has been a, an amazing conversation. And it's been such a pleasure to, to have you on my Quantum Living show. And, and, I, and I know that our listeners will not only enjoy it, but will, will find something in it that is of benefit to them, perhaps even a special message to, to them embedded in this conversation, which is what often happens. So thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for bringing me on. It has been a pleasure and it's, it's wonderful. You, you really provide a very unique space uh, as, as a guest on your show. Not at all what I was expecting, but welcome it and love it and absolutely appreciate it and love it. 
So thank you so much for bringing me on. Honestly, it was so much better than I could possibly have imagined. So thank you. Thank you so much. Namaste. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.